0: Is your martial arts training realistic enough to prepare you to survive a violent encounter? You might think so. You might even think you can easily stop an attacker on the street. Breaking news, your chances are only 50-50 of winning. Not convinced? Find out more in today's episode. From the dojo to the octagon, we bring you the Jiu-Jitsu
1: Master Podcast!
0: Welcome to another edition of the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast. This is your co-host Sri Pendicatla, and with me is co-host Shihan Russ St. Hilaire, 7th degree black belt in Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu. Shihan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Sri. We're going to talk about how to practice realistic self-defense today. So that is a very important subject for students.
0: And what triggered this topic, at least for me, was recently... I was practicing unrehearsed self-defense in class, and by the end of it, I was bruised, hurt, joints tweaked, but that wasn't the bad part. That's usually a good day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the problem was that I felt absolutely zero confidence in myself to defend myself on the street.
1: Okay. And, I'd like to hear more about that.
0: Well, I went against Senpai. I went against a couple of other people. When I was attacking, you know, being the, the street thug, it was fine. I attacked and got put down, and then it was the end of that. Some cases I struggled a little bit because the person who was defending didn't necessarily get something right away. Mm-hmm. But then when I was the defender and the other person was attacking me, I wasn't able to get anything right off the bat, number one. And then— Okay. Almost in all cases, it degraded into a sort of a rolling newaza type of match. And I knew that was bad. So okay. and, and then even in, after that, I couldn't tap the person out. I couldn't escape. It was it was just not a good experience. me. And, and what was really frustrating to me was that I'm normally pretty decent at this exercise and I, I really enjoy it. I guess because I'm able to defend myself pretty well against, you know, all, all different levels. And the fact that I've been doing this for six years now and, you know, I'm, I'm a blue belt for a long time, I I felt that, you know, maybe I should have, should have been able to do a little bit better than I, I performed.
1: Okay. So – You know, a couple of things, we're going to talk about a a few different aspects of what you just said, and and it'll be good for everybody to hear that because everybody has to go through those exercises. We'll talk about why we structure the training that way, which is also really important. But I also just want to point out that sometimes when you talk, you don't hear yourself talk. And, you you know, in your description there, you said, I'm usually actually pretty good at this and I, I usually enjoy it and do and do pretty well. And so to me, this seems like, well, that was a bad night. You know, it didn't go that well, but usually it does go well. So I don't know if I would judge myself on like a class or two where you just, you know, you're just not on and it and you and you can't do it well. Because I actually have seen you do this and you actually do do, do this pretty darn well. So don't judge yourself, but at the same time, embrace that experience because that is what is so great about real martial arts and jujitsu ju- in particular is that in real life, in a real fight, no matter how much training you have and how much experience you have, it can go one way or the other. It's a 50-50 chance, one way or the other. And that's the thing in your head that should always make you want to not have a violent encounter with somebody if you have any kind of choice to de-escalate or to walk away or anything, because no matter how much training, it could just go badly. And the next thing you know, you're getting beat up. And that's just the nature of violence. Violence is chaotic. It's, you can't plan it. You don't know what's going to have happen next. I could be a million degree black belt and somebody's attacking me and I'm easily taking care of them until I step off a curb and sprain my ankle and fall down. And then he jumps on my, on my chest and beats my face in, right? Like you, you just don't know what's going to happen in, in real life situations. So again, embrace it that, Hey, I now truly understand that on any given day, this could go in my favor or not. And that should certainly give you a, a certain view of, of how, you know, what self-defense is and when you should use it and, and when you shouldn't and the, and the risk that's involved, uh, and also realize that, Hey, every once in a while, it's, it's just not a good, it's not a good day and, and it just happens. So I wouldn't worry about it. And then the other positive, and I've always said, this is too many martial arts continually set up scenarios where you, the martial artist are the winner. It's always the street thug attacks me and I know the magic of martial arts. So therefore, at the end of this, I win. And that's not good training. That's that sets up a mentality in your head, right? You always need to train from the attitude of what can go wrong will go wrong and that you're always going to start from a losing position, right? That somebody is going to clock you in the side of the head or push you down or drag you out of your car and you're starting your self-defense from a place that's really bad, right? That you're losing already. Or somebody gets a punch in right in the middle of your awesome gary They clock you in the face and you're on the ground. And we don't train martial arts students in general, how to come at it from that angle. We always, we always make sure that they're the winner. And in that situation where you had a bad day and things degenerated and you even lost sometimes, that's good training right there. That is good mental training because I don't want to have the first time that somebody loses badly to be on the street in a real fight, because that's not good. You're not going to have any idea what to do. You know, you're just going to be like, wow, I'm a failure. Martial arts don't work. I know I've just wasted years. You don't want to have that happen, right? Lose a whole bunch of times in class. Get the crap beat out of you. Be on the bottom under a 200-pound person where you can't get out at all. Fail repetitively, and that will prepare you for what might actually happen in real life. So that's kind of the positive spin I'll put on what you told me. Oh, okay. Makes, the, <laughs> makes me
0: feel a little bit better.
1: <laughs> Sometimes oh. it's all how you look at it. You know, um, more than likely in our regular everyday lives, we're not going to get in a fight and we're not going to get attacked. It might happen, uh, but it also might not happen. A good percentage of your training in jiu-jitsu is because you enjoy training in jujitsu. You like doing it. Right. That's why you make the time and that's why you do it. But there's also a reality piece to this. Uh, If you have to use it, somebody's going to get hurt. It's going to be you or it's going to be the other person and like real hurt, maybe even dead. And, you know, the the weight of that has to also be in your mind. And you also have to realize that jujitsu or any martial art does not make you Superman in any way, shape or form. It just gives you a, a slightly better chance than untrained people. But it doesn't mean things can't go bad. So Having things go bad in class is actually a good thing from time to time.
0: So knowing that this is a, is really a serious exercise and you know not want to be taken with a lighthearted attitude or in a joking manner, right? Um, right? Is that what? How should we approach it?
1: Well, I think you have to approach it for what it is. It's it it, it is a martial art. It is a uh, an art of war. And that means that, you know, the real reason you're there is to stop yourself and your loved ones from getting hurt or killed. And you're doing that by making the choice to hurt or kill someone else. So it's, it's very much a, a me or them type of situation. And that truly is the reality of it, as much as we don't like to think about it that way. What jiu-jitsu does though is it gives you choices on the scale of your response. So, you know, if if somebody, you know, pushes you in the chest or grabs your shirt, you don't have to nuke them, right? You know, (laughs) you don't have to spin them around and do a backbreaker and then, you know, tear their leg off, right? Like you have the choice to just submit them, subdue them, restrain them, tell them to stop acting the way they're acting. So that's something that's great about jujitsu is it gives you that choice. But again, the reality of it is, is, you know, um, you are practicing to uh, cause somebody else pain or injury or death. And that's a serious thing. And if you're in a serious class, you're going to get very close to being injured a lot, or maybe even get injured. Because in real self-defense training, you have to be as close to reality as uh, as possible. You have to give that student the, the experience that's as close to a real fight as possible without somebody getting seriously injured, or they won't actually know what to do. And that's why safety and a really um, experienced instructor and the right attitude in classes is is incredibly important. That's really the basis of all of the disciplines of a a traditional Japanese martial art. It's not about just like doing Japanese stuff, right? All that stuff exists because they were living in a warrior society and hierarchy and etiquette and, you know, uh, correct behavior um, saved people from getting killed and and saved unnecessary violence so that's all part of the seriousness of a, of a real martial art specifically
0: for a, a self the unrehearsed self-defense drill how do you balance that the realism in making it serious that it could be life or death with with safety
1: within the dojo right so so there's really three legs on the stool of of good training. And that is, so the, the repetitive drilling, where you're taught how to do a technique against an attack and you just repeat it over and over and over for a long period of time it's it's rehearsed right the person knows they're going to punch you and you're going to do your Ipan Siawinagi as an example and you're you're just building these neural pathways between your brain and your body so that everything works very quickly and your body knows how to respond and your brain has formed the pictures of of the attack in its head and knows how to respond so that's what's one leg right it's that repetition of of the chart material of of your 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 basic techniques the second part that you want to do is sort of the competitive training. Like when we do waza, right? When we're rolling around on the ground, it's you're, you're doing jujitsu, I'm doing jujitsu. We've made a decision, an unconscious decision that we are going to roll around on the ground, or even if we're doing stand-up randori, we're going to grab onto each other. We're going to try to throw each other. We're going to try to trick each other using our techniques. And that's very good for developing timing and strategy and, you know, working against another person who's giving you a lot of resistance and it really gets you into the essence of what, it, what does it take to pull off a technique against somebody that's that's being resistant. At the same time, you're not, you're not beating each other in the head, and it's not a surprise. And then the third leg of that stool is unrehearsed self-defense, which literally just means that person can attack you however they want. You have no idea what it's going to be. Is it going to be a kick, a punch, a grab, an elbow, a hug, a tackle? You just don't know and you have to respond to it, and you have to respond uh, appropriately. And not only do you have to respond to what they're doing to you, but what they're doing to you could suddenly change. So that is a very difficult uh, barrier to get past for some people, which is he threw the punch, I'll just say he threw the punch, and I went to do my oh, so to Gary, and then my oh, so to Gary failed. And the next thing you know, we were grappling, right? But that's not what actually happened. Your Osota Gary did not fail. What happened was, see what had happened was, he threw a punch and you went to do Osota Gary. And then he realized, man, this guy's throwing me. I got to do something else. And then when he did something else, you didn't respond to the something else. You were still thinking about Osota Gary. You didn't see that suddenly the attack was different. It was a different thing you were supposed to respond to. And then it becomes a mess. So the subtlety of understanding when the attack changes and it can change multiple times in multiple seconds is a real skill set that you need to develop through doing unrehearsed self-defense. There is no failure. There's only change. If I come in and I start to do an agoshi and they give me hip resistance and maybe I like spin around to do the Gary and he doesn't like that so he steps out of it. So now I have to drop into an Epon seo inagi, which I get, but then he holds on to me. I have to realize that we're now in a ground position with somebody holding on to me, so that's what I'm responding to. so it's it's all of that kind of training that comes up in the unrehearsed self-defense that's that's really key for a real self-defense situation which can change from one second to the next. So that's that's sort of the the three legs of the stool, you know, of the foundation of jujitsu training
0: in the three legs. one of the one of them is the the chart work in self-defense. How should one approach the chart work versus when you approach unrehearsed self-defense or live rolling?
1: Okay. Yeah, you definitely approach them uh, differently. So if you're doing your chart work, right, if you're doing your drills, you're, you're trying to perfect your form and your timing. You're trying to... Understand all the components of the technique and execute them all correctly. And this is where an, a good instructor really becomes important. When they look at you as an example, doing, you know, let's just pick a white ball technique, a front hug, Ogoshi, he is looking at the fact that you put you know, the base of your palms on the person's hips that you straighten your arms and then you push your leg back to create space. And then you release your arm around the person's waist. And then you hide your head against their chest and keep a good grip on their uh, right arm with your left hand. And then you sneak your hips around, right? He's looking at every one of those components to make sure that all of the weaknesses that you might have in your technique are eliminated and that takes an an amount of time and hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands and thousands of repetitions to get your body to do the exact right thing. So you have a semi cooperative partner, you know, and they're not limp spaghetti. But they're not fighting back either. They're just being, you know, they're being solid. They're 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 providing a little bit of appropriate resistance so that you can feel what the technique is like. And it is just repetition over and over and over under the watchful eye of a good instructor. That differs from unrehearsed self-defense because you don't know, and your instructor doesn't know, and sometimes even your attacker doesn't know what you're going to do next, right? They they may have their first attack in mind I'm going to tackle that guy but after that maybe they have nothing in mind they're just they're just flailing at you and they're jumping at you and they're kicking they're just they're just trying to you know uh, injure you and, and attack you and they they may not know what they're doing you have no idea what you're going to do to respond and the instructor is really there just for safety they're there to watch the oh man don't do that you're about to accidentally step through that person's knee or Be careful not to twist that person's neck that way or, you know, watch out how you're how you're landing or that looks like that was just injurious. I'm going to stop it now. That's what the instructor is there for. It's very hard for them to instruct anything. They can yell, do a renagi or armbar or whatever. And maybe a couple of those things will will help you along the way. But as you know, when you're in the fray, even people yelling at you to do specific technique sometimes just doesn't get through the sort of the fog of war right you hear it but you just can't you can't pull it all together and and that's the reality of a real fight so the training that you need to do to become good at the unrehearsed self-defense uh is things like piecing it together so you might start with saying this is what we're going to do i'm going to pick three attacks and the attacks are only going to be a punch a side headlock and a tackle. So you, Street Fighter, that's all you're going to do, just those three attacks. And what I want you to do is I'm going to have you start with a tackle. And Tori, I want you to do Sumigashi, right? Well, as soon as he tackles you, you do sumigashi Now, Uke, okay, as soon as you hit the ground, I want you to stand up immediately and do one of those three techniques, right? It can be the punch, the side headlock, or it can be a tackle again, that you're only responding to those three things. Now you might have multiple choices for those three things, but it's only those three things. And so that's kind of how you start building up to the point where there's no rules, right? But you need to start somewhere. You can't just walk out there on day one and be like, okay, I'm going to take all my chart techniques and they're going to work perfectly because they're not, you know, I think building a little bit at a time until we get to the point where that person can fluidly move around and make instantaneous decisions. And then we let the attacker do literally whatever they want. That's certainly going to be helpful. The second thing that is going to be really helpful isn't even a technique. It's an attitude. When you're going to defend yourself in real life and also in unrehearsed self-defense, you have to want to stop that attack immediately. It's not about what jujitsu technique am I going to do. It has nothing to do with that. If you think that way, you're they're they're gonna just beat you up. You have to want to stop the attack, and that could be with anything. So that person might even take the slightest step towards you. You don't know if they're going to kick, punch, tackle. You have no idea what they're going to do, but you, you stand firm. And the second they move, you just kick them in the nuts, right? They kind of start bending over and now you've got time for choices. Okay. Maybe I'll hit them. Then maybe I'll soda Gary them. maybe I'll arm bar them. Right. But you were not concerned with what techniques you were going to do. You were concerned with stopping that person. So person might come in to tackle you and they, they they spread their arms out and you kind of give them the, the spear position, right? Where you just like physically just like, boom, I am not letting you get to me. And then you can turn that into, into jujitsu techniques. But if you're there thinking about like, what jujitsu technique am I supposed to do? What is the right jujitsu answer to this? It's too slow. You, you, your mind can't go through the Rolodex looking for the right answer in a real fight. There's not enough time for that. So what's more important is to have that attitude of superiority, of dominance. doesn't matter how big they are or not. That's not really relevant. It's in your mind where you're like, I am not letting this person touch me, right? I'm going to do whatever it takes right now to stop this immediately. And when you start having that attitude... Then jujitsu becomes a supplement to that. It's a way to stop them or a way to control them after the, after you've stopped them. But without that initial um, attitude, uh, it's just going to be a mess. So that's that's some kind of advice that I would give people to to build up from a base of practice and to also have your goal be to stop the attack immediately, not to figure out a way to do jujitsu.
0: Along with the attitude you're mentioning. To stop the technique, and an in, in example you gave, it was a strike or a kick to to stop
1: the technique. Right, as an example, yeah.
0: What I'm asking is, is striking the way to start? Striking is
1: a way to start. You know, we practice lots of strikes in in jitsu so it's it's a way to start if you have the room to do that, right? If somebody's coming directly at you from right in front of you and you have got space to strike, I absolutely would. If the initial attack is something from behind and you didn't even know it was coming, you're not going to have any time to do that, right? You're going to have to you're going to have to react to that uh, attack. But you know, if somebody comes up and tackles you from behind, right, throws their arms around you for a bear hug, you can't be thinking about what's the right technique to do right now right you have to just do you have to immediately in your mind saying i'm stopping this right now and and maybe for you that's doing uh you know a sakuinagi or, or something like that but um, it's it's more of an attitude of uh, stopping it Uh, Because I think in your head when, not your head, but in everybody's head, when they start doing that type of exercise, they've already kind of thought in their head, well, I'm going to do this. I'm probably going to go like, you know, 10 rounds for three minutes here until sensei stops me. So he's going to attack. I'm going to respond. He's going to attack. I'm going to respond. One after the other. It's going to flow. It's going to be beautiful. But like that kind of attitude is just not going to work. Every time that person even tries to touch you, you have got to wipe them out. Like just take them down with no intention of taking them down and then doing anything else, right? Just if anything else has to happen, it will happen. But not that, that doesn't want to be your approach, right? You really just want to dominate immediately. So striking could be it. Throwing could be it. Could be lots of different things. Could striking be an end to the attack as well? It could be. Absolutely could be. I mean, there are many... Striking styles like various karate type styles where the, the technique is just the strike, right? They're not they're not going to throw. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to take the person out with a strike. So absolutely, you know, we tend to not spend tons of time developing, you know, the the calluses on our knuckles or any of that kind of stuff in jujitsu because we're a grappling art. But that certainly doesn't mean striking doesn't have its place. So here's an example of where things can get messy and unrehearsed self-defense. Person takes a, does a tackle, right? You do a sumi-gyashi, you come out. In the mount and then your choice is i'm going to now do jujikatami or something like that right and then you spin off the top and do a jujikatami, but he rolls up and the next thing you know you're getting stacked and now we're on the ground and we're doing nawas and everything changed whereas if you had done that sumi Gyashi and came out you know in the mount position and nailed one of his arms to the ground with your knee and just started pounding him in the face that would have a, that's a totally different ending, right? That's dominance. You know, person taps out, you stand up and you go again. Right. So does striking have a place? Absolutely does. But it's, it's, it's because it can be a tool for dominance. So, you know, you just have to be careful of the choices that you make.
0: How about for the UK, okay, the person who's attacking, what's the, what should be there? mindset and
1: attitude when they're attacking in this unrehearsed self-defense drill. If you're working with a person who is your rank or senior, they should be most concerned with training, right? They want to make this the most realistic training exercise for you as possible. So they're going to keep a certain cadence, a certain flow. They're going to uh, sometimes attack in ways that they know you know how to respond to. They're going to attack sometimes in ways to see what What are you going to think? What are you going to come up with? Because it's their job to give you a good training experience. When you're working with somebody, maybe with a little bit less experience, I guarantee you their, their thought is, um, awesome. I'm going to go beat this guy up now. Let's, let's see what he knows, right? I never want that to be their attitude. When, when I'm going to work out with somebody and we're going to do free exercise, I want them to be a little scared. Right. I just want them to look at the situation and wonder, like, man, if I throw a punch, what the hell is going to happen? Like, what kind of crazy crap is he going to throw out at me? I mean, (laughs) I know this is part of the exercise and I know I've got to tackle him, but I'm not sure I really want to. When you set up that environment, that's a whole different kind of experience. And I advocate that you do that. Uh, because this is where the reality of the martial arts comes in. When we start doing unrehearsed self-defense, that's as close as you can get to a real fight as possible. And if you don't act like it's a real fight, if you don't act how you're gonna actually act when you're confronted by somebody else, then you're you're kind of missing the point of the of the exercise. Now, do I wanna, you know, break my other, you know, student's leg or, you know, throw them on their head. Of course not. I'm gonna keep some aspect of, of safety involved. but do I want to instantaneously dominate them? Absolutely.
0: How about from an attack perspective for the the attacker? Should they let's say uh, yeah, I do first of all, I do feel fairly intimidated when I'm attacking somebody, especially somebody at a higher belt level. Because I know it's going to hurt
1: (laughs) at the end of it. Um, You should should also develop that within yourself for the people that are lower ranking than you. So that's something to do. That yeah, you have to you have to try. Yeah, you really have to get in there and 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 do it. You have to cause some pain while while keeping it safe, and you'll earn that respect for sure.
0: Yeah, and that's probably what I failed to do in my last uh, my last time I did this, but. I'm also thinking like the attacker's perspective, Mm -hmm. should they, because I'm very respectful when I do it, respectful in terms of, you know, I'm going to get killed on this, so I'm going to hit them, but, you know, that's it. At the end of it, I go down, they do something, I'm like, okay, I'm tapping, I'm out of here, because I know they can keep going, and it's going to get really bad for me.
1: And that's exactly how you should do it. You absolutely should do it that way. Um, I think that's the right approach you know that combined with keeping it as a continuous motion so the second they tap you you immediately get back up and attack again and and don't leave any space for that person to think i think is is really important the other thing is don't don't turn it into a nawaza session as the uk i'm saying like you know it it, it doesn't add anything to the exercise you know, our whole goal as Jujutsikas is, is to not go to the ground, even though we're very skilled there, but is to end it standing. So if if Uke kind of just starts turning it into a Neiwaza, you know, session, just disengage or just say stop or, or whatever, just, you know, just get back up because that's that's not useful. It's it's OK for a couple of of, you know, 30 seconds kind of thing. But if you don't have it mopped up by then, just be like, oh, OK, OK, never mind. Let's stand back up and start that again and and just go from there. Control the, you know, control the situation.
0: Yeah, because that's exactly what happened. So whose fault is it? Like, who who failed at that? Was it Uke or, or Tori?
1: Well, so there were multiple points of failure. Number one, before you do that kind of exercise, the instructor needs to kind of set the parameters and talk about what that looks like. I, I know you can remember several times when we had done that, that I, I'll go out there with another person and I'll say, so this is what it's supposed to look like. Right. And, you know, this is how you're supposed to flow. And if you're OK, this is, you know, you do your attack and you get back up and you get back up and like you set it up, you 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 say the scenario, you show people how to act. Right. So then, that's that's the first thing that needs to be done. Second thing that needs to be done is the Tory, the person defending themselves when they see things going bad, um, you know, it, it's OK to just stop. Right. You just laugh it off. You're like, oh, well, that all turned into shit. You know, I, <laughs> let's let's get back up. Let's start that again. You know, you just kind of do it with that, you know, kind of fun attitude. It, it's not winning or losing at that point. Don't forget, you're still training. Right. And then the other thing that fails is the person who is the attacker. Maybe nobody ever explained to them how to be a good attacker for that specific exercise. But we don't just tell them, you know, like this, this isn't going to turn into a, a waza session. Right. If if we go to the ground, Obviously, I'm going to do everything I can to submit you, but if, if I can't get it done in like 30 seconds, I'm basically just going to be like, all right, forget it. Let's get back up and like, so sort of set it up so it becomes a, a meaningful and useful training exercise. Otherwise, it can just become, hey, we stood up for five seconds and we went to the ground for 15 minutes and then nothing, you know, neither of us really trained really well. So I, I would say you have to you have to kind of set it up and control it that way.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do remember you doing that um, earlier on. When you were teaching, you also told the the attackers not to do jujitsu. Does that that apply here?
1: Yes, it does. Uh, and I'm really glad you brought that up. I'm sorry I forgot to say that. You know, the value of the exercise, this specific exercise, is that the person is not a jujitsu trained attacker, right? They're just they're just going out there like a street attacker. So they should be able to punch, kick, elbow, tackle, headlock. All, all of that kind of stuff. You know, they can get in mount, they can get on your back, try to choke you. I mean, that's all like natural human fighting behavior. You don't have to be trained to do that. And and that's really what they should do. That, That's what you're going to run into 90% of the time on the street. So let's train for that. If they start doing jujitsu, just stop it, like immediately. And the instructor should stop it. But if the instructor doesn't, you know, you as the person doing it, Tori, just stop it and, and, and set it up the way it's supposed to be. Now, there are times like sort of after black belt where, you know, you can go out and you say, okay, we're going to do this and I'm doing it like I'm doing it against a trained person and we can go through some of those exercises, but it's, it's really not useful um, under black belt. And and if you really want to do that, Hey, we already do that once a year. It's called the holiday bash, right? If you want to go out there and do no rules, jujitsu against each other, that's what the holiday bash is for. But that's not good training for the street. That's, that's not what the street is like. That's not what real attacks are like. So don't, don't train for them that way when you're doing the, the under self-defense.
0: Awesome, Cheon. Thank you. You answered all my questions.
1: Well, that's good. And, you know, I'm hoping for the people that are listening to this, because we've all run into those frustrations, you know, that they've heard a few things that are really key. The first one is, not every day is going to be a good day when you do ne Waza or you do under her self-defense. Some days you're going to walk out of there, you know, feeling like Bruce Lee, and other days, you know, you're going to walk out of there feeling like you know a puppet right that you just got ragdolled around and you couldn't do anything and that's fine that's all part of the experience it's it's no big deal the second thing is train the way you're supposed to train right set up the scenario people play their roles train the way you're supposed to train against the type of attacks that you're supposed to do right control it you you, you can simply state don't do that right we're not going to do Nawaza, right stop doing jiu-jitsu you're supposed to be doing street attacks it's fine to do that If you're an instructor, you know, you're the one that's looking at that situation and you should manage that situation so that your students get the best training experience possible so they don't walk away just going, well, that was a useless 20 minutes of crap that I didn't get anything from. That means as an instructor, you failed at your job. So really as an instructor, we have to focus on making sure that the training experience uh, is really positive. And the last thing is the fighting attitude, right? The fighting spirit. That means that you're not out there to do jiu-jitsu. You're out there to stop an attack. And you have that attitude, like if that person takes one step towards me, if that person even touches me, they're going down one way or the other. a strike with a throw, I'm just gonna completely dominate them, right? If I even see them move towards me, I'm putting my hand in their throat and I'm just like throwing them backwards, right? You're just, I'm just going at it hard, but I'm going at it safely. And that way, you know, I establish that dominance that you're really going to need to have in a, in a real fight in the street. So that's why that exercise is, is so important. So Sri, I'm really happy that you decided this was a subject to talk about because it's as close as we can get to a real, a real fight on the street. And, and it's a really important exercise that must be done correctly in order to get the maximum benefit from it.